Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us in the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. And Bill, you said you thought Hillary Clinton had peaked about two weeks ago with her book tour. You don't think it's been a roaring success? You know, this might be one of the rare moments where I guessed and guessed right uh, about <laughs> politics. I, I just had the hunch that this book tour, which they were touting and preparing for and investing so much in, obviously, uh, was not going to go well for her. It exposed her to questions. Uh, she turned out not to be very good at uh making her own case for herself on even to friendly interviewers you know she was dead broke when she left the white house and the american political system is the toughest in the world and all the other ridiculous things she said and just generally she turned out not to have anything much to say except for some gaffes you know there was no real one, one could watch those interviews and i didn't it would be crazy too but you could watch hours of hillary clinton interviews and have no sense of well, what's her vision for the future of the country What's her vision for foreign policy? What does she think her biggest accomplishments were in either domestic or foreign policy? None of that. So I, I've got to think, uh, and I think the polling data confirms this, that the more people see of Hillary Clinton when she's outside the bubble of being Secretary of State, where one has the vague sense, if one's not following things too closely, that you know she's acting for the United States, she conducts herself well, she's treated well by foreign heads of state. You, you know, if you're an American, you, you'd like to see your Secretary of State you know, behaving in a dignified way and seemingly respected around the world. You don't look too closely at the policies, maybe. And so that helps her a lot. But but since she's been Secretary of State, her numbers have fallen, and now they seem to be falling quite quickly. And I, I really, if I were a Democrat, I would be pretty worried that here's your semi-inevitable nominee, prohibitive frontrunner. Uh, she's not so young anymore. She has nothing fresh to say. Um, and she's running on sort of uh, accomplishments, which aren't real accomplishments. She's running on being frontrunner. Well, in particular, with foreign policy being the fiasco that it is, and of course, when you're Secretary of State, there's some, I understand, vague connection between American yeah. foreign policy and being Secretary of State. That's important. But I want to ask you about a story that I kind of schluffed off at the beginning of the week and now today with uh, Peace on the Daily Beast. When I first saw that people were looking at an interview Hillary Clinton did about a trial she did early on for an alleged uh, child rapist. I thought, oh my gosh, talk about going back, you know, looking back at history. We don't want to relitigate Monica. Surely we're not going to relitigate something from the disco era. But uh, it turns out that there may be more there than I first thought. I think if you read the piece in the Daily Beast today, I think we've linked to it on the website, the original piece in the Free Beacon, and above all, listen to the audio of the radio interview, of the interview, not, not radio, the audio of the interview that she gave in the 80s about this case. It's a little disturbing and really i mean she's a lawyer who's chortling about getting someone off whom she seems to have known who's basically guilty of raping a 12 year old and 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 uh lawyers can get you know lawyers do their job and but the, the chortling about it um the whole attitude towards it uh clearly she took the case she wasn't a you know a public defender she didn't have to take the case she chose to take the case she knew it was kind of a high profile case it seems like um helped make her reputation in arkansas um, she's been misleading about the case subsequently, and now she just won't talk about it. So, but if you read the interview today with the, the woman, unfortunately, the victim of this case, uh, it's pretty, as I say, chilling. And, and I think this is the kind of thing that go, you know, she, goes to her character. I mean, let's be honest, she's had a very, uh, she's been treated with, 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 with kid gloves over the last five, six years. She, once she lost to President Obama, everyone wants to be nice to the loser. She graciously uh, you know, acceded to him. Then she's Secretary of State. And that's not a partisan position. She got very, very good coverage, very kid glove coverage there. And since then, there's just been a year of giving speeches and, 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 writing, and working on the book. But I think people have forgotten there was a reason she was such a polarizing figure. There's a reason she wasn't very popular, honestly. 
and there's a kind of harshness to her and a self-centeredness to her and to her husband that I'm not sure people are going to think, gee, you know, uh, the book she talks about her decades of public service. You read that article in the Free Beacon for Monday or the article in the Daily Beast from today and, and you ask yourself, is this really public service? You know, I, but I wonder if the symbol of Hillary or the branding of Hillary has kind of transcended the facts. And, you know, the feedback I get from people who are just knee-jerk Hillary supporters is, well, I'm just going to vote for Hillary because I'm the kind of person who votes votes for Hillary. And, you know, the the question that inspires so much comedy for me, well, what's your favorite Hillary Clinton accomplishment? You know, pick yours, your favorite. And they, they get mad at you. They actually yell at you for even asking because they're voting for Hillary the same reason they shop at Starbucks because of what it says about them. And I just wonder, is she impervious to fact? Is she impervious to record? I mean, we will test that proposition if she runs over the next couple of years. I kind of think presidential campaigns end up, um, you know, not, you can't just sort of be a brand and, 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 uh, and sort of coast through for a couple of years. There are primary opponents who will criticize you and puncture the bubble. And then there's, of course, a general election. I think the primaries is often where that happens. If you think back to other candidates who had a real high image and Everyone thought well of them, and that turned out there wasn't much there, or they didn't have much to say. Um, and I think that, for me, a very interesting question is whether Elizabeth Warren or someone doesn't really see that uh, Hillary's support is a mile wide and an inch deep. And if someone shows up with something to say, even if it's something you and I don't agree with, about uh, the economic problems of the day or foreign policy problems, for that matter, um, whether there wouldn't be uh, some erosion, to say at least, and even maybe a cascade of a support away from Hillary. I just don't know, but I, 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 I'm, I'm, if I were a Democrat, I'd be worried about her as the nominee in 2016. I, 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 they think she's inevitable and the strongest nominee. I think she's not inevitable and could end up being actually their weakest nominee. You know, a brilliant radio talk show host in Atlanta commented today that, of course, Hillary looks great because she's compared to the guy in the Oval Office right now. And compared to him, your cable guy looks like a acceptable choice. Is this uh, this uh, moment is this the moment where, from a practical political standpoint, the Obama presidency is over? Chuck Todd has made the reference. Uh, other people have made it as well. Are we at that point where President Obama simply doesn't have the ability anymore? If he decided tomorrow that whatever you know, tax cuts or you know, flu shots or anything were going to be my, that's going to be my issue, that it just wouldn't matter because he doesn't have the political chops to get it done anyway. I think. I think that's why true in domestic policy, especially if Republicans win the Senate, as I think they will. I think a foreign policy president can still act. I mean, Clinton had been impeached and was still able to get bipartisan support for going after Milosevic and, and you know, with, with respect to Kosovo in 1999. So I think foreign policy is always its own area where everyone understands we only have one president at a time, and we have two years of this guy, and we've got to hope he's, I don't think he's going to be very good, but we have to hope he's less bad than he might otherwise be and try to keep the ship of state kind of afloat here until someone better takes over in 2017. But I do think politically, this was a big moment. Obama's numbers cratered pretty badly during the launch of Obamacare. Then he had a, something of a comeback, and one could have thought, and I ran into Democrats who were smart people who thought this, and they weren't spinning, this was in private, that, you know, he could end up in the high 40s by election day. He could come back some. This isn't the Bush 2006 situation. I think after the last month or two, that seems very, very unlikely. Jay Cost has a piece on this in the new issue. Uh, it's up on the website. I, I, I just think his numbers now look much more like Bush in 06, which leads me to think we have an off-year election that's as bad for the Democrats in 2014 as the off-year was for the Republicans in 06. I think Republicans do win the Senate. I think Obama does not have a leave 
likely it does not leave his probable successor in very good shape for a third term for the Democrats. This, so it, it becomes, I think, 2016 is a winnable year. I, I'm not pessimistic the way a lot of, uh, certainly a lot of people in Washington are, they're not pessimistic, they're optimistic because they don't like Republicans or the demography, there are all these reasons Republicans can't possibly win. I think that's all nonsense. I think it's at least 50-50 that the Republicans win in 2016. Having said that, you need to have the forward-looking agenda, the reformist agenda, the populist agenda, and the right candidate. That, that just becomes absolutely central. I want to challenge the premise you kind of blew by, you know, comparing this to 99, et cetera, 1999. Bill Clinton's presidency ended uh, in February of 1998 when the Monica Lewinsky scandal broke. And what I mean by that is that if he had decided, for example, we needed to actually send land forces in to stop the bloodshed in Bosnia and Kosovo, and he had to persuade the American people to come do it, he couldn't have done it. Because even though you know his poll numbers stayed high because people hated Republicans, nobody trusted Bill Clinton. If president, let's say that Iraq turns really bad, and the president has to persuade a reluctant Congress in America, we've just got to send troops in. We've got to stop ISIL at you know whatever this the Euphrates. I don't think he can do it anymore. In other words, that phase of his presidency is over. All he can do is what basically the American people will let him do that doesn't need any persuasion. A president who's a fully active, empowered president can persuade you to do the stuff that needs to be done. Is there anything that we don't want to do that the president could persuade America to do? Or wouldn't they just say, why would I trust you? You don't know how to lead. I mean, it's a very good question. It's a worrisome question in the sense that Obviously, in a sense, a weakened Obama is good if you're a conservative or a Republican. We don't want him to achieve his policy preferences. On the other hand, we only have one president at a time, and in foreign policy, it can be bad. I, th- I think you're really, you may be right. I don't know. I still think presidents in foreign policy, if they choose to re- run the risk of doing something unpopular but appeal to the public for support, there's just an awful lot of latitude the public will give them. And I tend to agree it's more latitude if you're bombing from the air, as Clinton was in, in Iraq in December of 98, and then in Kosovo in the spring of 99 than if you're sending in ground troops. But if, if it were really necessary, I wonder if the president could still make that appeal. But I agree with you that he, in any case, he doesn't really want to. It sure, sure it doesn't appear. But I'm struck. I was talking with someone the other day about this, and I, I'd written a piece with Frank Hagan uh, saying we might have to consider ground troops. I mean, we really can't afford to have an uh, ISIS-controlled, you know, uh, thousands of square miles in Iraq and Syria that's a terrorist launching pad, and then, or we can't empower to, afford to empower Iran. And it may turn out that some ground troops uh, in part, as part of a coordinated campaign is the only way to even achieve a decent, uh, anything resembling a decent outcome anymore in Iraq. Um, and this friend of mine said, look, I'm with you totally intellectually, but I think if honestly, if I were a member of Congress and asked to authorize this, I would vote no. So I do not trust Obama. I just think he's an incompetent, uh, unserious commander in chief, and I don't want to send American kids over there under this guy's command. Now, that was a serious person talking to me. And uh, that makes your point, really, of how much the ero- how deep the erosion of trust has gone. I don't think that's a good thing for the country, and really, honestly, but it may be a fact, and it may mean that uh, it may be a fact that foreign leaders, unfortunately, also see, which again emboldens them. So we will. Uh, my biggest hope and fear and hope over the next two years is that we don't pay. Um, my biggest fear is that we is, is that we'll pay a very high price for such a weak president. My hope is that we could avoid paying too high a price by. We're a strong country. Republicans can send strong signals that it will be different when they take over. We could even support President Obama to the degree he tries to do the right thing, not that he's doing that a whole lot, but 
it is worrisome to have this week a president in this kind of world. I mean, Clinton, maybe 9-11 was one product of the weakness, you know, but in general, the world was not quite as dangerous, didn't seem to be as much chaos, certainly the Middle East wasn't uh, back then as, as it is today. Uh, which brings us back to Hillary. Hillary has the opportunity now to be the not Obama Democrat who can simply stand and say, you can vote for me because I'm not him. And I think that the more this kind of dying presidency, you know, the godfather lying on the deathbed is, you know, goes on, the more it gives her the opportunity to let Democrats say, hey, maybe we, you know, there's someone else we could have had. This is the person we should have elected. And now we can undo that. And I, I actually think this might end up uh, uh, bolstering Hillary, although, as you pointed out, she keeps seizing opportunities to, uh, to inflict political damage on herself. I, yeah, you know, that it's an interesting suggestion. I, that would be like McCain in 2008. He's a, a good friend of mine who's been around the track. He just said, you know, the way people aren't thinking about the comparison to McCain enough. Uh, obviously, a lot of us would like to admire McCain much more than Hillary, but McCain lost eight years before to the person who won the presidency to Bush. Uh, McCain didn't serve in the Bush administration as Hillary did with uh, President Obama, but he supported many of Bush's foreign policy actions. Um, he, of course, was truly more distant from Bush, I think, than Hillary is from Obama. Uh, but at the end of the day, what the verdict for McCain was a large part of the verdict on the Bush administration. And I think the same might be true of uh, Hillary Clinton, no matter how much she tries to distance herself, especially having been, as you said earlier, Secretary of State for the first four years and having been there when we didn't leave any forces in Iraq, having been there when we didn't intervene in Syria, having been there during Benghazi, uh, having been there for the Libya intervention, which we did and then didn't follow up on it all. Now, she will say she had different opinions about some of these things, and she may have, but she was part of the administration. And the other comparison with McCain that I think is apt also is uh, she's been around a long time, as McCain had, and she'll be running against a younger candidate who can articulate sort of a vision for the future. So I, I think they are going down a path, much like Republicans in 07, 08, where they're going to nominate someone who lost eight years before in the primary who will lose this time in the general election. Uh, well, some people would say from your lips to God's ears, and I'm one of those people, so I'll say it. Bill Crystal, thanks for joining us for the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.